We're on Yavamos, Lam and Gimel, and 33b3 in the Art Scroll Gemara. We are up to a new Mishnah. This Mishnah is not really a Mishnah that's connected to Yavamos, to the Mitzvah of Yibam, uh, but it is connected to our previous discussion about Ein Isr Chalal Isr, about one prohibition, a second prohibition uh, being included above and beyond already a pre-existing prohibition, and that will be discussed in the Gemara in uh, next week's recording. But let's see the mission inside. So, two men are halakhically engaged to two women. So there's a halakhic engagement. But when they go to the chuppah, the chuppah means the end of the engagement, meaning the actual, the beginning of the halakhic marriage. When a couple is engaged, so already the laws of... Uh, of adultery uh, already apply. Those already apply already from the halachic engagement. And they, they are now, these two men and these two women are going to the chuppah. And somehow, the Gemara will explain, we'll see in a minute, somehow they got mixed up. So the two men and the two women, one, one man, he ended up marrying, or by uh, having the chuppah, which means uh, they're having by having uh, relations with them. So they, he has relations with somebody who's not his wife, uh, and somebody who's already married. And so to the other man, also has relations with the other person's wife, uh, and they mix them up. So the Mishnah says that each one is chayev. They are, it's, each one is a violation of, of adultery, of uh, having relations with a married woman. So the Mishnah continues to say, that let's say these two men were also brothers. If they were also brothers, so there's an additional prohibition of an Ashis Ach, that they are also having relations with their brother's wife. And, and let's say it was two brothers who married two sisters, and they got mixed, they got flipped. So in addition to the previous prohibitions, there is also a prohibition, if they were two sisters, of having relations with your wife's sister. And finally, and let's say the women at the time that you you had relations with them, they were in Nida, meaning uh, they uh, had their period and they did not go to the mikvah yet. If uh, if a woman has her period and she did not go to the mikvah to become uh, tahora, to become uh, halachically pure, uh, in, in a halachic sense, to be pure, uh, so then if they did not go to the mikvah, so that is a separate prohibition to have relations uh, with a woman who is a nida, who had her period and did not go to the mikvah. And so that's a violation, Mishim Nida, because of nida. So that would be an additional uh, violation. And so one could have all these different types of violations. And so the Gemara, in the next week's recording, will discuss this concept of having Isr Chalal Isr, how one Isr could be a one violation, prohibition, could exist even though there's already a previous uh, prohibition in existence which is very much connected to the topic that we've been discussing. The Mishnah then concludes, that we want to make sure that since they had relations, uh, we want to make sure uh, that we know where the kids come from in the times of the Gemara. So what they would do is that they would say, now that you had relations uh, with somebody who's not your wife, we want to make sure that the couple, the the actual couple uh, that remains married and together, that... Uh, we know if they have a child, where the child comes from, who's the father of the child, and so therefore we tell them 
not to have relations for three months because we want to make sure that we know who is the father of the child. The Mishnah adds, However, if the case is where one of the women is a kitana, is a young girl, and we've discussed in the past how a young girl uh, could get married. So if it's a case where it's a young girl, so then they're allowed to, they're allowed to uh, remain together right away, they're allowed to have relations right away, uh, because uh, they cannot have children anyways. They're not able to have children anyways. The last line of the Mishnah says that if these women were uh, the daughters of Kohanim, then they become disqualified from eating truma. They're not allowed to eat truma. And that last line will also be discussed in the Gemara uh, later on. So that is the conclusion of the Mishnah. Essentially, the, just to summarize the Mishnah again, the Mishnah discussed uh, a scenario where two men and two women were engaged. One man was engaged to one woman, another man was engaged to a different one. And so we say that if somehow it got mixed up, and at the time of the actual wedding it got mixed up, uh, so then there would be a violation of adultery, of, of having relations with a married woman. Uh, and if it was two brothers, then it would be a violation of, a mar- of having relations with your brother's wife. If they were also two sisters, it would be a violation of marrying your, of son, not marrying, but having relations with your wife's sister. And if they were in Nida, if they had their period and they did not yet go to the mikvah, so then that would be an additional violation. And then the end of the Mishnah just discussed our concern uh, that we want to make sure that we know who the father is, even though the, these couples are allowed to remain married, which will be the discussion of the Gemara in a minute. They're, they are allowed to remain married, uh, but they have to separate for three months. They're not allowed to have relations for three months because we want to know who the father is. So the Gemara says as follows. What exactly is the case? The language of the Mishnah is hechalifu, that they exchanged wives. That gives off the impression that this was done intentionally. It sounds like it was done intentionally. The language of the Mishnah is that this, this switch that occurred was done intentionally. And the Gemara is going to have a few questions on this approach, that it was done, how could it be that it was done intentionally? And then the Gemara will conclude in the end that actually it was not done intentionally. This was unintentional. This was by accident. And so the Gemara says as follows, if this was done intentionally, the Gemara asks, the Mishnah, does it really deal with wicked people who do such wicked things? And so as explained by some of the commentators, we do have Mishnayos which describe some events which could take place which are not the right thing to do even if it's done intentionally. But the point of the Mishnah, really, the point of the Gemara's question really, is that the Mishnah will only discuss a case where it's done intentionally if there's a certain value in the case when it's done intentionally. But if it doesn't really make a difference whether it was done intentionally or unintentionally, there's no greater value to mention that the case was done intentionally, then the Mishnah wouldn't do that. There's no reason for the Mishnah to discuss a case where it was done intentionally unless it's there to teach us something. But if it's not there to teach us anything, then there's no reason for the Mishnah to give a case where it's done intentionally. So that's question number one. Question number one is, are we dealing... Why should the Mishnah discuss a case which is intentional? The Sioux, furthermore... Question number two is that Rabbi Chia, in a brisa, the brisa which is uh, commenting on the Mishnah, Rabbi Chia says that if a person, uh, if all these people, they violate all these prohibitions uh, in total, in total, a person, they, there will be a total of 16 sin offerings that are brought. 16 
korban chatos, 16 six offerings that, sin offerings that are brought, in total between all four people that are involved. Why is that? Because we discussed uh, four different prohibitions, adultery, uh, relations with your brother's wife, relations with your, sis- with your wife's sister, and when she is in Nida, when, when the woman is in Nida, that she had her period before going to the mikvah. Those are four prohibitions. We are discussing four people. Four times four, there's a total of 16. Each one has to bring a separate uh, korban chatas, a separate sin offering. And so that's a total of six of 16 sin offerings. A person only brings a sin offering if it was by accident. They never bring a sin offering if it was done on purpose. So they only bring it if it was done by accident. So that's a second question. It must be that it was done uh, It was done by by accident. So question number one is why should we discuss uh, uh, somebody where, um, uh, where it's done intentionally if there's no need for it? The second question is that we're discussing sin offerings. Sin offerings is only in the context of when it's done by accident. So Rav Yehuda says, the answer to the Gemara is Amr Rav Yehuda, Tani Huchlufu. It must be that it's not it's not that they intentionally exchanged, did this exchange, but it was by accident. Somehow it was done by accident. It was accidental uh, that this happened. That's what the Gemara answers. The Gemara now brings a proof to this idea. The Gemara says it's also logical. Why? The Gemara is going to attempt to bring one proof. They will reject another proof, essentially, to this idea that it was by accident. They will reject it. And then they will bring a final proof to the idea that it must have been that this is not intentional. Why, how do we know that this wasn't intentional? Because the end of the Mishnah, what does the end of the Mishnah say? The Mishnah in the end says that if we're dealing with a Kitana, where one of the wives is underage, under the age of 12, we say that they're allowed to return back to their husbands. Right away, they're allowed to return back to the husbands. We're not concerned because since she can't have children anyways. Uh, so we're not concerned about uh, where, not knowing where the father is from, who's the father, because uh, she can't have children anyways. But she's allowed to return back to her husband. The law is uh, that if a person, if, if she commits adultery intentionally, she is not allowed to remain married to her husband if she, if she does commit adultery. If it's unintentional, she could return back to her husband. But if it is intentional... So then she's not allowed to return back to her husband. This should prove to us that really it's unintentional because if it was intentional, if somebody commits adultery intentionally, so then she's not allowed to return back to her husband. They have to, they have to get divorced. So the Gemara says, no, there's no proof from the case of a katana, of a girl who is underage. Hello, Kasha. A very important line in the Gemara which says that even if a girl who's under the age of 12, even if she's seduced and she does it, what she views as uh, under her own will, she agrees to this, even so says the Gemara, a very important point, that we view every case of a seduction of a minor as viewed as an ones, as viewed as, as a rape, as viewed as without consent. Because since they don't have the proper knowledge to understand what they are really doing, and what they're getting themselves into, even if what they think is really that they're agreeing to it, it's still viewed as an only situation, as though they are uh, doing it under duress, and that it's it's not, uh, it's viewed as, as as a form of rape. And if it's viewed as a rape, so then uh, they are permitted to return back to their 
uh, to their husbands. They're allowed to stay married. So the proof that is coming from the end of the Mishnah discussing a case of a girl who is under the age of 12 is really not a proof because even though she does it, what she thinks is intentional, it could perhaps be intentional, but really we view it halakhically as though it was um, uh, not intentional, that it was under uh, under duress um, and it's viewed as a, as a rape. And so we cannot bring a proof from that case that it was Unintentional. The fact that she's returning back to her husband, maybe she thought that she was doing it intentionally, but halakhically, we say she is allowed to return back to her husband. So the Gemara now says, but we have a different proof from the Mishnah. The other case of the Mishnah, in the end, the Mishnah also says, The case of the Mishnah says, if we're discussing... Uh, a, a woman who is above the age of 12. Uh, so then we say that they have to separate for three months. Uh, her, her and her husband, they have to separate for three months because we want to make sure that if they have a child, we know where the child, who the father is of that child. But that also implies that they are allowed, at some point in time, three months later, they are allowed to uh, get back together and they're allowed to have relations. So that should prove to us that this was unintentional because if we're discussing now somebody who's an adult. We're discussing an adult and if adults are doing it intentionally, they're having adultery intentionally, then it's forbidden for them to remain married. They're not allowed to remain married with their original spouse. And so therefore, uh, once it is done intentionally, the Mishnah should not allow this. Even after three months, it shouldn't be allowed. The fact that the Mishnah says that they're allowed to return, the, the wife is allowed to come back to the husband after three months, uh, and they're allowed to live together after three months, that proves to us that this is... Uh, unintentional, that this was not done intentionally, and if it's not done intentionally, so then they are allowed to remain married. The husband and wife could remain married. And that is the proof of the Mishnah. So essentially, the Mishnah is discussing a case where it's not done intentionally, it's done um, unintentionally. Somehow there was some sort of accident which occurred in which this took place. Uh, and that's the case of the Mishnah. We had various proofs to this idea. First of all, why would our Mishnah be discussing a case of a Russia, somebody who is uh, doing the wrong thing intentionally, our mission is, according to the Brites, our mission is discussing a case of sin offering. Sin offerings is only if it's unintentional. And finally, the last proof is the fact that they're allowed to remain married. Adults also, when they do this, they're allowed to remain married. If it was done intentionally, they're not allowed to remain married. So this proves to us that this was unintentional. So this concludes the Gemara for this week's stuff, and we will continue with this discussion in next week's recording.